Lots of channels, nothing to watch, especially if you're searching for the truth. It's time to interrupt your regularly scheduled programs with something actually worth watching. Salem News Channel, straightforward, unfiltered, with in-depth insight and analysis from the greatest collection of conservative minds like Hugh Hewitt, Mike Gallagher, Sebastian Gorka, and more. Find truth. Watch 24-7 on SNC.TV and on Local Now, Channel 525. This is Very Bold Radio and Podcast with your host, Steve Teal, bringing encouragement through God's Word and through inspiring interviews. Go to VeryBold.com for information and updates and email Steve at VeryBold.com. And now here's your host, Steve Teal. All right, Steve Teal, we're going to call this Session 4 Very Bold Radio and Podcast, talking to Henry Jarju. And um, this incredible, incredible story, uh, I'm just amazed. And I was just saying off air, sharing with my wife by text, just that my problems all of a sudden feel so insignificant, <laughs> so trivial, my little challenges. I'm I'm laughing not because it's funny, but it's just the comparison is just amazing, just hearing what Henry has been through. And I'm so glad that Henry is with us today to tell this story because otherwise I don't know if my heart could take this story. There's so many setbacks and there's so much discouragement that he has to go through and physically endure. It does, you know, when we're talking with you, Henry, it just reminds me of some of what Paul, the apostle Paul talked about and what he endured for the gospel and shipwrecks and beatings, imprisonments. Um, And I know you weren't imprisoned for or persecuted per se for your faith, but man, what you went through just is, um, it's just incredible. So this is kind of session four. I don't know. I I don't know the story, so I don't know if session four is going to bring to close. (laughs) If there's a session five, session six, I don't know. I'm uh, I'm fascinated to know. So, all right, Henry, um, for people who might just jump in on uh, session four, maybe they missed the end of session three. Can you just kind of, or David even, just kind of summarize where we are, help my brain get refocused again? Where are we? <laughs> yeah, I, I can. But before we yeah. do that, it's, it's funny that you bring up just uh, Apostle Paul. Henry knew I was going to say this as soon as you said that. So that's yeah. funny. But, uh, and just the similarities in uh, Paul's story and the hardships he's facing and, uh, than Henry's story as well, uh, because uh, of course, Henry, maybe you can also say something on this, but uh, as Henry was doing the Bible school that I'm a part of and get to uh, help run here in Amsterdam, that is actually uh, also what made the book of Acts, uh, from what I remember, made it just so personal to to Henry, uh, where, I mean, he is reading Paul's story, but I think any of us who are hearing your story now can now understand how you would be able to understand so many of the stories and acts at such a deeper level than any of us can understand, whether that is shipwreck or being in prison or being uh, beaten or, I mean, just in any of these things. Uh, is just incredible. Even just the fact of 
being in prison uh, or being on the run. I mean, I'm just thinking I've never in my life had to ever really worry about like, I, I don't have power over like my freedom. That's never been a concern for me uh, where someone else has power over me, where you were literally in, enslaved. Yep. Uh, and so then to be able to be released from that is incredible where then I can only imagine then getting to picture what Jesus has done for you then just adds that much uh, more weight mm. to uh, the good news. Yeah. I don't know. That's incredible. Do you have anything to say? I mean, I remember journeying uh, with you when you're reading Acts. Um, but yeah I, yeah, I don't know. No, yeah. Um, so before I come to continue where I stop, what I can um, say uh, concerning um, yeah, the journey of Paul in the book of Acts, I think, um, yeah, I was when I was doing the Bible school then, just going through the book of Acts because I've never like um, read the book of Acts, like to understand what is happening, the stories in it. So during the Bible school, it just what became life for me because I just saw myself in a similar way, just as Paul had to go through and what it means just um, to be in the Mediterranean Sea where like you lose hope and you think, at least for me, I think, okay, this is the end of it. So for me, it just, I understood what Paul actually me was going through when the ship had that problem and everyone was scary and mm. um, afraid for their lives. And just also just to throw it back, even when we were doing um, Exodus, mm. the children of Israel in the wilderness, mm. what it means to be in the wilderness, not having water to drink, even though they did, but then it's just being in the wilderness for me, it just reminded me of my time when I was there. And yeah, I learned a lot from it. And I was also able to just thank the Lord for a lot, like how he has see, um, seen me through in those moments and mm. just helped me to just even be more grateful and thankful to God. In, even though then I didn't really understood all those things to that level, mm. but just going through the book also brought a lot of, reality and a lot of life for me mm-hmm. when we were doing these books yeah. Yeah, yeah 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 i really struggled with some of them emotionally just reflecting on those times but i also um was um yeah it just reminds me of who god, what god has done for me when mm-hmm. i was in those in moments like that mm-hmm. what it means yeah yeah things still it does but yeah yeah. Yeah, I I imagine so. I imagine those those stories for you, I mean, they they just yeah, they're so close to what you've actually experienced and gone through where the rest of us are imagining and you're you know, you know so close to I mean, you went through what he he went through. So, it's it's pretty pretty crazy. Pretty yeah. wild. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I, w- I wouldn't mind hearing you preach on 
you know, uh, Paul's story from Acts or the Exodus just because of what you have been through. So, yeah. 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 All right. Well, um, so where, where are we now? We are almost to international waters. You're yeah. seeing the helicopter knowing that if you can get there, you maybe can get some help. Yeah. And, uh, but you're still, you're not sinking, but I mean, somehow you're afloat, but nobody really knows how, because you should not be afloat. Everybody should have gone under at this point. So, I mean, maybe one day when you're in the presence of God, you're going to see what God did to keep that boat afloat. And, you know, it's funny to me, it just sounds like a, you know, when I, I'm glad you've explained everything so well, because when I think of a boat, I'm not picturing like a inflated raft, large inflated raft in the middle of the Mediterranean. Um, it's just wild. So, okay. So Henry, tell us what happens next. Yeah. So we were in that, um, boat, which we all, we all were um, thinking that it can um, just sink any moment, but then it didn't. And, um, yeah, we saw the helicopter just um, um, flying a little bit um, ahead of us, mm-hmm. and then we we then we expect we were like, okay, maybe if we are able to make it there, then they can come and rescue us. But still, we had to make it there, despite the the boat, how the situation and the condition of it. So we tried the same way, like I was explaining to you, we go a little bit against the wave and then turn off the machine and then try to let the waves um, or the wind just bring us towards that direction. Because um, like our captain also, what he said was why he was turning the machine on and off, he felt like there was a wood under the boat that was holding it. But the more the machine, the more a movement of the machine, the more pressure it, it might put on the wood. And then, the, yeah, then it's easy for the um, for the wood to just maybe broke or maybe split and then, you, then the boat can easily sink. So that was why he was turning it on and off, on and off. And then that was how we tried until we were able to make it to the international mm. water where we were um we were later on then um being rescued by the um rescuers but before they came once we just arrived in that water level you can also see just the water just the color of the water changes then mm. it becomes like blue kind of just very clean uh yeah it's just different from the water we were in before what you can tell the, the different colors of the water yeah that's that's amazing that's crazy yeah. to me yeah yeah completely very different yeah. yeah very very different but still we were still like we were still afraid that anything the boat can still sink yeah. even though we we saw the helicopter but we haven't and we saw also the big ships, but then they are very far from us. We are like, you saw just a tiny of it. So once we make it in that water, then the helicopter came and then threw something in the water, which turned, which came out to be smoke, kind of. For me, that was 
yeah, I had no idea how that happens, like smoke coming out of the water. In the... <laughs> yeah, I, I couldn't um, imagine how that works, but that's what they did. And then when it was, the smoke started to come, so the helicopter that was over us left, and then immediately it left, another one came, and it, I would say like an aeroplane kind of mm. came, and it was over our heads again, and then it was just surveying us, mm. watching over us, and then it left, and then the helicopter came again, and then they started um speaking to us with a microphone, like, do not make movements. We will rescue you. The um, rescue boat will come, mm-hmm. and they were um, yeah, trying to calm us down to just make us know that we are being seen, and they are they will come to try and rescue us. Mm. So when we saw that, then people become also less um, afraid, and then started to just not to make a lot of movement so that we will not sink. So then um, after that, then came like this um, small um, mm. machines. Like jet skis? Yeah. Yeah, like yeah. with just one person. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah. those are the ones that first came. Yeah. And then when they came, they throw some stuff in the water in case the boat sink. Then some people can just throw it, catch it, and then float and not sink. Yeah. Yeah. And then came smaller boats as well, uh-huh. small boats, and they start throwing um life jackets uh-huh. to us. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah. And wow. had a life jacket, yeah. Wow. Yeah. This can I just like pause and just ask you, like, with your faith at that point, with you and the Nigerian Christians and everything, was your faith more real to you at this point? Are you like calling for help from God, or are you just I, I don't know what was kind of your state of your spirit at that point? So um remember when I told you at some point we were all waiting for the boat to sink? Yes. I prayed to God, like, for my final prayers to him. I prayed. I said um, the um, the Lord's prayer and then just prayed to him with my own words, like, I have accepted my faith and I hope he will have mercy on me on that day if I die. And then after my prayers, I just surrendered and I was waiting for the boat to sink. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So wow. that, yeah, that, um, that I did it on the boat and then after that, yeah, it didn't sink, but still, I was not expecting it. I was expecting it to sink at any moment, but yeah, I did did my last prayers, and I was just ready to um yeah for my soul to go back to my maker. Yeah. Okay. Okay. All right. So go back to where you are now. We've got the life uh, jackets and everything, and so what happens next? Yeah, so for me personally, like when I when they came and gave us the life jackets and I saw the rescue boats, for me then I felt like okay, now I'm safe. <laughs> yeah, because I know I cannot swim for that long, but I know I can just also be Yeah. Yeah, I can also swim for a while till I will be rescued yeah, if in yeah, case yeah. the boats sink. Yeah. But yeah, thank the Lord that didn't happen. <laughs> Yeah, so they gave us life jackets and everyone had it. And yeah, then um, they surround us with their boat. So when I had my life jacket, I couldn't wait longer. I just jumped in the water and then I swim and then went to the small boats who came to rescue us. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then 
they then they transfer us like then they took us from that small boat to the bigger boat so the bigger boat couldn't reach where we were because of the movement of the water it would have caused if it was to come to where we were then it would have even made our boat sink mm. so that is why they mm. decided the smaller ones to come and then pick us from there and then transfer us to the bigger okay. boat yeah so then they were doing that going and coming going and coming okay. until everyone was safe no one died mm-hmm. yes yeah. praise yeah. god yeah amen yeah yeah no one died. and yeah when we were in the boat in the big rescue boat then we had to like um run a full day the whole day till the next day in the morning or in the afternoon was when we reached in the italian shore so that is why when we were in libya and they were telling us that just three four hours yeah it's just it's not it's just not possible right yeah right. there's no way we could have made it if right. we were not being rescued yeah right yeah yeah so do then, do some boats make it i mean does somebody have you met anybody that did what you did but they made it on that raft that no, no, no. they no. always okay. rescue them never never okay okay all right yeah so yeah. the best hope it's kind of like now it's like moses story almost i mean it's the mom putting moses in the water and hoping yeah. that something is going to happen it's just a hope and a yeah. prayer okay yeah, yeah. All right, so you so it takes a full day still to get to Italy, yeah. and did you say that's on the big boat now? Yeah, on the big boat, big yeah. ship. Yeah. yeah, yeah. How are you feeling then? I mean, are you feeling like okay, I'm about to make it to Italy? When we made it in the big ship, <laughs> everyone was crying. Like yeah. almost everyone was crying because mm-hmm. on our boat there were moms with their kids. So they were still crying while they were on the boat. Mm. And some were also just thankful to, to the captain. And they were also thankful to me as well, just because of what we have gone through. And yeah, yeah. But people were still crying when, while we were on right. the boat. Oh, yeah. It had to be so very emotional. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Okay. So what happens next? I have no idea where this story is going. I mean, where we go next. Yeah, is... so so then we made it to Italy and yeah, um and we were being brought to a big um um at a big place in at least for our boat they brought us to Sardinia in Italy. That is an island called Sardinia and then the capital is called Cagliari. So that was where we we landed when we arrive in Italy. So it's from Cagliari, then people start to come like the Italians, resident uh, people, and also like different organizations who were involved um, with the migrant um, um, procedures in Italy. So they took us to a center like this and then people come and we are willing to take people into their homes or into into camps. Okay. Yeah. So then um, when I arrived there, so um, I, my age I gave there was like, I gave them um, an age of a minor because um, then probably it was more easier for you to have documents in that way. Smart. Yeah. So and then you were, the, you were actually how old then? Sorry? How, what was your actual age? 
my actual age was 24. 24. Yeah. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah. 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 So you were smart. You told them a younger age. Yeah. I told them a younger age, but then, um, yeah, now I feel like I'm, I'm not proud of that because that is not um, who I am and that is not um, my real age. But that was what I gave them because that was going to help me to have papers. So I did it for, for papers, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I don't feel bad. I'm sorry, you feel bad. I think that was no, just I, smart. <laughs> I think that yeah, was wise. I, yeah, yeah, I understand your point, but it's just it's just a way of... um um doing what I feel like is the best thing for me at the time, yeah. Right, right. So then after that, they took me to a camp. And then in that camp, I spent like a um, couple of months, I think. I think we landed in July, and then I was in that camp until around November. So I tried. I didn't actually want to stay in Italy. And still, my relationship with God at the time, for now, I feel like, you know, it's... It's interesting to see that I have gone through all these things, and now I'm in Italy. And uh, I was not still going to church. I was just, yeah, also the expectation, my mindset about what Europe really looks like and what I was hoping to see was not what I really Mm. see. Mm. So that was also like, is this what I risk for? So then I was... I still was not so how it would look like because still I feel like the situation doesn't even help. Mm-hmm. Wow. One thing also I forgot to mention, like when I made it in Italy, I called my like my parents. So I called one of my mother back home. You say one of your mothers. What does that mean? I have two mothers. Oh, okay. Okay. Did you have, but you just had one dad. Yeah. Okay. All right. So when you say your parents, you're talking now about your calling your moms okay all right go on so i called one of my mom moms and i told her that i'm in italy because they haven't heard from me for a while now so when i told her i'm in italy and then um she was happy she was just glad that i made it but she also told me like um your dad before he died told us that you will make it to Italy, no matter what happened. What? Yeah. Yeah. So he was like, your dad told me that you will make it. What? Yeah. What did that mean to you when you heard those words? Yeah. I couldn't expect less. For me, that was just because the way he died when I was in Algeria, I felt like um, I left in a way he was not agreeing with me, but it for me that felt like he really believed in me and he really forgave me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's pretty amazing. Wow, yeah. wow, that what a gift. Okay, yeah. yeah, that's beautiful. Yeah. So then, living in Italy, considering the situation there, I was not actually. Yeah, I didn't feel like that was the dream I was dreaming of. Yeah, it was supposed to be the promised land, right? I mean, going back to the Bible, it's like that's the promised land. You're working so hard to get there, and then there's no milk, there's no honey. I mean, yeah, yeah, go on. Yeah. So then I um, I tried to leave the country because then I felt like, okay, 
this is this is not where I I think I can fulfill my dreams in. So, um, but I also don't have the right papers to go to other European countries. But still, I try to um, just leave the country anyways. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not surprised because you just, you keep finding a way. <laughs> you just keep finding a way. I mean, wow. Okay. So what happens then, Henry? Yeah. So um, I tried um, to leave from Italy, from Sardinia to go to, um, and it worked. I left from Sardinia to um, to come to Milan, around Milan, Milan area. And then okay. from Milan to go to, um, so I was planning to go to Germany, but when I arrived in Switzerland, then they couldn't, they didn't allow me to pass. <laughs> oh. So then the Switzerland um, police stopped me on the checkpoint and then they, they said I didn't have the right documents to go through their country, so they wouldn't allow me to pass. So they hold me there for three days and then they gave me back to the Italian authority. And then, then the Italian authority brought me back to... Um, south again in italy in bari then i was then i had no money with me again then i just choose to stay now <laughs> yeah because i was out of money um so then i stayed and i did my asylum procedures and yeah i was then they came to grant me documents because then i also became sick i had like tuberculosis and then i was admitted to the hospital in italy i was there for um, almost 2 months and then it was after the sickness they gave me a um, humanitarian permit in italy so then after that what does the humanitarian permit mean what does that mean or grant you so humanitarian permit means um you need um help from the italian um government because i was sick and the sickness um allows me for for them to treat me but also for me to live there legally that i can have the government's protection there so it's it's a type of permit called humanitarian permit okay for people who are in need um special um um, special need case kind of like sickness right so something really bad happens again you get tuberculosis but yeah. it sounds yeah. like god is going to use something bad for something good i mean yeah. your life your life goes like joseph from the old testament and moses and paul mm. and it hits every yeah. spot yeah, yeah. so what what happens next henry so um yeah, while I, I was staying there after I had the permit, so then I was also going to school to learn the Italian language. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> you speak Italian? Yeah. Okay. How many, so how many languages? Yeah. yeah. How many languages? Italian. I mean, yeah. Henry, go through the languages. The first that you speak what you would say fluently, and then the languages after that. You then play down like, oh, I don't speak so much. but. <laughs> No, yeah. Um, so growing up from Gambia, like um, as a Gambian, I'm a Karoninka. So that's my mother language. I speak Karoninka and I speak Mandinka. I speak Wolof. So these are like languages I speak fluently from Gambia. And along the journey, I learned how to communicate in French <laughs> because at some point in Mauritania, in Mali, Algeria, you had to adopt. And then at some point, I have to pick up a few words in Arabic 
because Algeria and Libya as well, you have to learn how to speak those languages. And then in Italy, I learned to speak, um, yeah, Italian and yeah, now Dutch. Now Dutch? Yeah. Did you, 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 you did not No, not yet. yet. <laughs> so back then is, that's, that's eight. Eight. Yeah. Yeah, how yeah. did how did you real quick? How did you speak learn English? Is that also in Gambia or? Yeah, in Gambia we learn English um officially at school. Okay, okay, all right. That's a British colony. Yeah. So that was eight languages you counted, David. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's crazy. I mean, it that, is. That, that's, that's. I barely crazy. speak one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> wow. <laughs> What an incredible mind God has given you. And you are the <laughs> just incredible what you had to adapt and and learn and chose to learn. I don't even know how how anybody in the world could just start to pick up Arabic or any other language you said. Yeah. Like how does we, we won't go into how you are gifted that way, but that's that's unbelievable. It's just amazing. So okay, so we, we paused because you were learning Italian. I believe, right? So I was okay. learning the language, and um, next to it, I was also playing football when I was there. You so were? Football. I was playing yeah. football, yeah. Yeah. So I was going to school and playing football. That was what I was doing there until um, almost one, two years. And then I also wanted to, um, like, to do um there was a course more of like a translation course they call it mediatory in italy for example like to be an intermediary when people come then i can translate from their language to italian that is what that was what i wanted to study but then um what actually made me leave italy i felt like the football i was playing it but i was not actually you know, treated the way I I believe I deserve to be treated because I felt like yeah, I was given less opportunities, even though I know I had like um the talent, the skill for it. And it was also semi-professional at the time. And I felt like the camp I was living in were more just after their own interests and they didn't really um care much about us because we are just migrants coming into the, and they were just after their own interests. So that really also hurts me. And I wanted to also do this course. And then they also just keep on promising me like, yes, you will do it, this and that. But I feel like they were not really concerned much about it. So that also hurts me a lot. Then I felt like, okay, I just lost hope in them and I didn't care any more about just what I was going through between me and them. So, yeah. And then whilst that was going on between me and them, so a friend of mine, a childhood friend of mine from Gambia, also like went in a similar journey and also made it to Italy, but he was also living in another part of the country in Italy. He was in North, I was in South. Then um we communicate and he also feel like yeah let's just travel to another country and not here but but then we are two people one had the document and another one didn't have it so yeah um so that was also quite interesting for us to travel together but yeah we 
we we really wanted to make this journey together because we've been friends since when we were back home in Gambia. So we decided to leave the country. So we we took risks and then we just find different ways to just try to come. <laughs> At first, it was just him who said like, yeah, let's go to the Netherlands. And I was like, but we don't know anyone there. <laughs> <laughs> And then why he also wanted to come here because in Italy, he was working in a cheese farm, mm -hmm. in a farm where they make cheese. And then someone at his at the cheese farm who, who came from the Netherlands told him that when you go to the Netherlands, it's better, you can make better money there, you can work there than in this place. So that's why he wants us to come to the Netherlands. <laughs> So I was like, so you'll do cheese. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, yeah, you can also learn how to make it then. But we just came here because of that. I was not sure what I was going to do here. I knew like I could do anything because um, I felt like I had the pump, like the paper to travel. So I, I felt quite confidence that I would be able to do one or two things when we come here. So then we, that's how we decided to come here. And to come here, we also just, um, yeah, took a private, um, a private car. But before that, we tried different ways to try to come here. We couldn't, but at the end, we had a travel, a private car who brought us straight from, but we had to smuggle from Italy to France first, and then had a private car from France to the Netherlands here. So now, when we, did you have to smuggle from Italy to France because he didn't have the documents? Yeah. So how did you how did you do that? <laughs> yeah, you got stopped once. Yeah. Okay. And then explain what happens because I think it's hilarious. Okay. So um, we tried to come from Italy to make it to France. So um, we try we walk on foot to walk from Italy to cross the border from Italy to France. So when we were doing that, so the border between Italy and France, there are police checkpoints there. And so we had to go through the forest to try to come to Italy uh, to make it to France. But the first time we tried, the police caught us. <laughs> the French police caught us. And yeah, they asked us if we had any papers that allows us to go to France we said no so then <laughs> they gave us back to the Italian we said no and because we don't have it based on what we tell them they said okay we cannot go through their country so they bring us back to the Italian's police and then handed us over to the Italian's police <laughs> and then the Italian's police also just took us from the French police brought us in the Italian territory and then told us that yeah, go and try try again and next time. <laughs> <laughs> try again. <laughs> and if you try this time around, go a bit further so that they will not see you. <laughs> Wait, say that part again? Like go deep in the forest oh. to bend so that the police will not see you. <laughs> <laughs> so then we then we also tried that very day again. <laughs> <laughs> and it was snowing <laughs> so we went through the snow and then the second time we still now went more further again <laughs> so lucky for us they didn't saw us and we made it to france and 
the Red Cross, when we made it to France, we, we, are, we reported ourselves to a Red Cross center in France. And then the Red Cross center helped us with food and a place to stay for a few nights. And then oh. after that, we were able to find a private taxi which drove us straight from France to the Netherlands. And so you had money saved up from your work and everything? And yeah, he did too? Had, yeah, we had some cars with us, yeah. My friend okay. also was working at the time as well, yeah. Right. Yeah. So we were also able to use his money as well for that. Right, okay. So then when we make it to Amsterdam, now here we are in the Netherlands in Amsterdam, but we don't know anywhere. <laughs> right. We don't know where to go to. And so um, we ended up in the street here. We joined a group of like, um, it's called We Are Here group. We ended up on the street. They live in like um, crack buildings. So then me and my friend lived there for, for some time and in that building and then we were kicked out of the building because the police um yeah it was not it, then it was just not accepted in the Dutch law here to live in such buildings. So we ended up on the street. So when we were when they threw us on the street, so um me and my friend decided that. Um, because he didn't have papers with him from Italy, then we decided that let him go and um, ask for asylum here. And at least then it's better if if he comes um, into the in contact with the police. That is it's better that um, he goes for, to the asylum center rather than being here without any paper on the street. So he went to the um, asylum center. Then I remain on the street here. So then I lived on the street and then um yeah with some other just street people as well and yeah with the we are here group and also came to know some people around who are just people we meet here in the Netherlands and just living to survive, trying to find what um what we just to make it here. So while living on the street one day um I was um I met a friend who told me that who showed me a place in um in and it's a church. He said they normally give free meals there. So then we went to that church and we we went there to have free meal but also have coffee and to be in a in a warm um building as well, just because living on the street is just yeah, it's just not really something um something nice. So when we went to this church. They served us a meal there, and when I was it as I was eating the meal, then came um one of the ladies who worked in that church there, and then she came. She was um talking to me like, um, yeah, where are you from, and what are you do? Why are you here in this country? And as we were ch- chatting. And then she asked me, what did I do when I was back home in Gambia? And I explained to her that I was a teacher and I I was teaching in a primary school before I left. And then she told me that, okay, um, if you are um, good with kids, I would like you if you can come and help me here with, um, because she's also a social worker who works with kids in that church as well. So wow. she asked me if I could come and um, be helping her with the kids every Monday. And I was just living on the street. I'm like, yeah, for now, I don't have anything to do. Why not? Um, I can come. Yeah. 
So then from that day onwards, every Monday, I always come there, help her with the kids, um, tell them stories, take them to the playground, do music with them, just fun music. And then at the end, they go home. And so I was doing that with her for a while. And at some point, she asked me, like, um, what would you like to study or what would you like to do in this country here? If, for example, you want to study and I, I want to help you to pay for, your, for you to go and study, what would you like to do? And then um, I told her that, actually, I think I would like to be a missionary. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. But the time I was telling her this, I don't actually know, like, I just said it to her, but I don't even know how it came in my heart to say it because, wow. yeah, I just told her I want to be a missionary. And then she just looked at me and laughed. And then she told me that, did you come all the way from your country <laughs> to become a missionary in this country? I'm like, yes, I just want to know God in a community way, in a more personal way, because whilst I was living on the street, I felt like there was something I was lacking in my life. I was just reminded of who God really is for me. And I felt like just going to church on Sundays, it's not enough. I felt like, and I really feel, feel like I want to know God in a more, what it means just to know him in a community way. And I, I have never even had an idea of what living in a Christian community life even looks like. But that was just what was in my heart at the time. And that was what I shared with her. Mm. And then she told me, just think about it. If you want to study even any other thing aside from being a, a missionary, we will. I think I would like to support you on that, me and my family. But I told her that I just want to become a missionary. But I don't know how it was in my heart at the time. So she told me, okay, you can still think about it and see if you can come up with something else or yeah so and then so she was trying to encourage you to come up with something else yeah. or was she she would like support if you came up with something else yeah but she wasn't sure about supporting you as far as the missionary like plan is that right no i wouldn't say she wasn't she wasn't so she was more of like are you sure you really want to be a missionary coming to this country here, Amsterdam, the Netherlands of all places? Right. And then also knowing that I was just here as a migrant who came in this country through what I just yes. shared with you. Yes. So yes. You felt like, are you not going to study or maybe look for a better job, well paid, maybe something like that? So, Got it. Yeah. 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 She sounds like an angel. Sounds like God had her right yeah. in your path. Okay. Yeah. Go on. Absolutely, yeah. And then, um, so I, after that, I continued coming to the church, helping her with the kids, um, a program every now and then every Monday. And then um, until one time, she came back to me again and told me that um, um, there is um, a school that she, she found, and it is called like a discipleship training school. But she doesn't know if I would like it or not. And then she told me that she also brought um the card of uh, of the school. And then she asked me just to make a little bit of research about it and see if I like it. So then I check it on Google and see like discipleship training school and how they um organize the program and everything. And I was 
I just like what I saw on the website, but I had no idea what it actually looks like. <laughs> and then, um, so like here in Amsterdam, every first Thursday of the month, mm. they normally have what you call pursuit night. Mm. So in that pursuit night, it's a worship <clears throat> night where like they invite everyone and people come together to worship together. So then when I came here, that was the first thing I came here to do. So I was invited on a pursuit night and then I saw how the worship looks like and I felt really, um, for the first time I felt like, I think I like this, but I don't know like how it will look like in the future. But that that was my first experience with Warren. So after the pursuit night, I went back home and still, I was still living on the street anyways. <laughs> Wow. Yeah. Yeah, but this woman also came to help me also through her. She helped me and get me out of the street. She helped me to stay in a hostel where like I had to walk um through the day um do the cleaning in the hostel to be able to have meals to eat and then to be able to spend the night there, which was for me um yeah, a big, big um help just to come out of the um of the street so that's how i came off the street and then when i came to the pursuit night that was my first experience here and i like the ex- atmosphere what i saw here and then um yeah that also just encouraged me to um try um even to think of doing the school um bts so then i made up my mind like i'll i would like to do this school but yeah. what i did not also know was like I had to um, pay for the school for me to be able to do <laughs> so for me. Yeah. Like I had to pay to come and learn about who God is. <laughs> was... That seemed backwards. <laughs> yes. So when I told her that I would like to do the school and then they told me about the fee of the school and it was about 2000 and so euros. Then I was like, okay, I think this is not for me. (laughs) (laughs) So then I told her, so I had to pay for this school for me to go and learn about the Bible, about, about God. And she says, yeah, that's how we do it here. (laughs) (laughs) And I told her like, okay, I would like to do it, but for now I don't think um, I want to do it anymore because I cannot pay. I cannot pay it. So, but she told me that, but would you really want to do it even if in case someone wants to pay it for you, then I told her, yeah, I would like to do it. Then she told me, okay, then um, I will discuss it with my family, with my husband, and see if we want to um sponsor you on that. What? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. yeah, so um later on, I think sometime later on, she came and told me that, well, so my husband and I have decided that we will we will sponsor you. If you will pay the school fees for you, if you want to do the course and wow. once you can apply it now. Yeah. And wow. then I applied the school and yeah, that's how I came and did my DTS in 2020. 2020. So yeah. you had been in the Netherlands for how long about? For three years now. So at that, at that point? Now, at that point, I was in the Netherlands just for a couple of months. Like, I came in the Netherlands in the summer of 2019. Okay. Okay. Yeah. 
For maybe okay. six or seven months in the Netherlands, then I did my yeah. uh, DTS in 2020, January. Okay. Okay. All right. All right. And real quick, just for people who don't know what YWAM is or DTS, Discipleship Training School, that, I mean, you guys are on the Youth with a Mission base right now where we're where you're doing this in Amsterdam. And for people who have no idea, you guys can do a better job. But Youth with a Mission is um, a great Christian organization with schools and training throughout the world. Mm-hmm. Um and that, I mean, that's exactly what God brought you to from, from Gambia. That's amazing. Is there anything else about just if people are like trying to learn the acronym of YWAM, Youth with a Mission or anything? Is that good enough, you think? Yeah, maybe... I, 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 that's that's pretty good. Yeah, I mean, YWAM, Youth with a Mission is uh, just a Christian organization with the intention of uh, getting to empower people into what it means to uh live as a christian which is bringing god's kingdom uh as it is in heaven down to to earth uh whether that is as a a missionary going out to another country or whether that is living in normal society uh working uh as a baker it's just how empowering people into uh yeah into what it means to live as a Christian and getting to share God's kingdom right. with others. So yeah, it's, uh, it's a great organization. It has, uh, it both has a lot of training and different programs to train people into what it means to be a disciple and also to be able to disciple others. Uh, but they also have uh, Bible training, which is also then uh, what I'm a part of and, also what Henry then did after his discipleship training school. Uh, But then they also have uh, just the ministry side as well, where so uh, YWAM here in Amsterdam also has many different ministries uh, where, for example, as we're calling just behind us, then they were uh, serving uh, homeless people here in Amsterdam, but then they also have uh, different ministries. For example, one goes to uh, the red light district in Amsterdam. So it, it's both training, but also just mm. ministry. Uh, so it's it's a it's a whole big thing. Yeah. And YWAM is then uh, just all over the world. Uh, probably there is a base not so far uh, from wherever you're listening from. Um, so it's a uh, yeah, cool cool organization. Yeah, for sure. And that is okay than what what we're a part of yeah yeah amazing amazing okay so henry what um where do you go from there in the story what else do you tell us next so you come you go to discipleship training school this uh this family sponsors you which just kind of blows my mind um even that that same woman just you know asking you to help with the kids every monday that's just a beautiful you know beautiful story and um so maybe in fact seeing that my dog wants to go out um maybe we'll pause here one more time and then we'll come back for session five and probably you'll update us on where god has you going next i'm guessing right yeah all right very bold radio and podcast with your host steve teal bringing encouragement through god's word and through inspiring interviews 
Go to VeryBold.com for information and updates and email Steve at VeryBold.com. Steve at VeryBold.com.